0: Junkies, welcome to another episode of the SNAP podcast. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be discussing professional social media use, meaning that we're going to do another two-part episode. First, we're going to talk to Dr. Jennifer Hutton, also known as Dr. J-Pop on social media. She graduated from Loma Linda University and started her career in adult ortho, but quickly transitioned into pediatrics where she truly always wanted to be. She recently started her own private practice, but has been using Instagram and other social media platforms for quite a while. Let's see what she has to say about social media use and starting your own page. The theme of this podcast episode and the reason that we chose you to speak is because we are talking to our students and new professionals about mm. social media, social media use, getting started, the ins and outs of it a little bit. And we know that you have a fairly successful page as Dr. J Pop. Yeah. I follow you on Instagram. Are you on any other um, media, social media platforms? I'm on
1: Facebook. Um but I'm most active on Instagram and Instagram, Facebook. I have a Twitter account, but I just, I've, I've chosen Instagram as my channel to, to put all my focus on.
0: Very cool. So how did you decide to start social media and like use it as a way to talk about physical therapy?
1: Yeah, so back in 2017, um, I was going to start teaching for a company called Rock Tape. And I wanted to showcase what it was like to be a pediatric physical therapist. Most of their um, instructors were ortho-based or sports-based or chiropractors, athletic trainers. And I was the first pediatric instructor they had hired. So I knew I was going to have eyes on me teaching these classes. And I said, well, I'm going to do that. I really want to show what I do, the the population that I treat. And I just think the kids that I treat are amazing. And I, I think their stories are so inspiring and their strength is just out of this world. And I thought this is something that not just clinicians, but other people could benefit from seeing how these children are just resilient in the face of everything that is put in their path. So that was really the reason why I wanted to start uh, Dr. J-Pop.
0: I love it because I think too um, there's a lot of social media out there, especially for our ortho and sports uh, co-workers. Those pages are really large um, and so it's really nice to see pediatrics gaining a following there and having people that are posting not only content, but good content that all of us can take things away from and share with other people.
1: Yes, that was another thing. I knew that a lot of the tools that we teach on and that I use um, in the clinic were things that there's still not even research on yet. But we're starting to see older clinicians talk about stem and cupping for a lot of kids. And so I was like, well, hey, we have these tools. Let me talk about how I use these tools also. So newer clinicians coming in can see, oh, we can think outside of the box with some of the things that we do and the tools that we use. So that was another reason.
0: Yeah, I love that. Because I mean, also... I think I could talk about this for days, but for pediatrics especially, it's like we have to wait for our adult co-worker, like, and all the research comes out there and we say, oh, it's safe for adults. Okay, now let's see, you know, is it research proven, is it safe for kids? And so it takes so long to trickle down to us. And so you have to experiment a little bit as long as you know you're in a safe realm and see if it works for your patients.
1: I think that's the most important thing I want clinicians to realize is it's great to have research. Um, But I took a course from Mary Massery two years ago and she said, the research you're looking for could take 20 years and the patients are here needing help now. So if you understand how a tool works, if you know the science behind a tool and you know the science behind what this child is facing, it's time to use that integrative those integrative cognitive skills and say, oh, well, A plus B could equal C. Let's try it in a safe environment and and see what we're looking for. We know our red flags, we know our yellow flags, um, and then let's just go from there.
0: Yeah, so it's almost like you're sharing like many case studies sometimes that are just getting out a lot faster. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Perfect. So then when we talk about social media, there's always kind of this large discussion do you keep your personal and your professional pages separate? Do you combine them? Is there um, after a few, like a few years of experience, is it better to start showing that more personal side of you? What do you recommend, or how did you do it?
1: So I did have a personal page, um, but I don't. I don't think I've posted on that page in like two years since since I switched over. I think that the beautiful part about Instagram is you have your stories and then you have your actual timeline post. And so I believe it's a good thing to show people who you are and the things that you enjoy because if you're coming in as a clinician and you wanna share who you are, then they need to know past the, the clinic what you do. So I think sharing maybe like your real life in your stories is great and then keeping your feed for the the clinic stuff I think that's the best way to go of course you want to be careful I think that's just being human like and wanting to have a job (laughs) you need to be careful what you're posting period um on all platforms but that's just my mindset going into it
0: yeah absolutely and I know You branched out a little bit recently. We were just talking kind of before we started recording. You're starting this um, membership.
1: Yes, it's called Building Allyship. I have had been privileged to talk about these topics for the last three or four years, especially through my connections on social media. Um, Done a couple collaborative posts. And so when everything started to happen, I was like, you know what? Everything that I've been talking about, I want to put it in a webinar format and share it with clinicians so they can see, hey, these are the things you need to be learning. These are the things you need to know moving forward and and how you can really be an effective ally. And what I realized was, man, if you're in a marginalized community, you understand what it is to to stick together because you have to, but as an ally, you don't really have that because you haven't had, you haven't needed it in that format. So I said, how about I just create that, create a community where people who are trying to learn how to be allies can learn from guest educators, be reading the same resources, be able to hold each other accountable, be able to talk to, and then I'm just going to facilitate that. So I I recognize there are plenty of voices out there. Let's bring them all into one place And now you've got a community of people on the same page.
0: That sounds awesome. So are you going to keep that kind of on your same page? Or are we going to have a separate page that represents kind of what this community is doing?
1: I think for now, it's going to stay on my Dr. Pop page. And here's why. I believe I learned how to be an ally for children with special needs because of the clinic environment. And I want people to know, while we are dealing with um, an acute situation with BIPOC communities, an ally is needed in so many different spaces. You need to understand all of these communities that are underprivileged and need you to have a voice for them. So it fits, it's in the same vein of, hey, These kids, while they need you in the clinic, they need you in the community as well. So learning how to be an ally does not just have to be for one community. It's just a a plea for you to look outside of yourself and say, who needs me? Who else can I center my attention on around me?
0: I think that's, that's such an awesome idea. I know, especially from where I'm from, I grew up and I currently practice in Billings, Montana, which you can probably guess is not the most diverse area or a very small community compared to all the other places. I just finished a residency in Miami and holy cow Mm -hmm. was I in culture shock, moving from Montana to (laughs) Miami. (laughs) And I learned so much and I realized that there's so much to share. And so I love that people are making these conversations show open and like using social media as a platform to showcase all of these things because it's like, sometimes it's little things that you don't even realize you're doing because you're from a community where nobody's ever talked about that before.
1: Exactly, exactly. I think this that's the powerful positive thing about social media is I can create a community. If I don't have the physical community, I can reach out across lines, across countries, and actually connect with people that are on the same page as me. And I think that's that's really beautiful part about social media.
0: Absolutely, it's powerful to be able to build a tribe, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> awesome. So, I think the next thing that we come to think about a lot when we talk about social media, and sometimes people say we even get a little too caught up in it, is how many people follow you? How do you get people to follow you? How do you get people to listen? Is this something that you focus on, or is there something that you found helps you get your message out?
1: It was not something that I focused on. When I got on social media, there were no pediatric physical therapists that I could find. As a matter of fact, the ones that I've met more recently have said they've only gotten on in the last year. And so I knew that my follower base would always be small because I was like, I mean, there's not that many of us, but I don't care because I'm sharing something that I love. And so it didn't consider, I didn't consider, oh, I want to get to 5K or 10K. Um, I just... Shared my voice in the way that I felt comfortable and I knew that the people who needed to read what I shared would come to me And I think that's the most important thing is to decide what is your intention is, is do you really just want to get a, a high follower count? Because if that's the case you're gonna have you're going to struggle <laughs> if, if that's the only thing that you're chasing, but if you feel like I have a voice that I want to share and you're comfortable with growing at the pace that is going to be specific to you, then do it. Do it. Find the thing that you love to talk about and get right in on that specific thing. Don't reach out to people to try to share your stuff. (laughs) Don't, you know, try to do the things to grow. Just be yourself and share the things that you love and it will happen organically.
0: Yeah. It seems like that's kind of a theme from a lot of people that I've talked to is that, you know, you're passionate about it and passion almost like breeds influence because people want to listen to you because you're excited about what you're talking about. And so it's great to hear that that's a consistent message and that those are the people that are being successful or the people who are, like you said, doing it
1: organically. Exactly. Exactly. I think um, the people just also know if you choose to talk to the clinician, If that's your goal, like if your target audience is a clinician, you likely will grow very slowly. If your target audience is a parent, then yes, you will grow fast because parents are like, give me all the things to make my child successful <laughs> and help them meet their milestones. Um, right. But that's also something I realize. I don't, I'm not really one who talks to parents. I talk to clinicians. I, I recognize long ago, I want to reach out to those younger clinicians who are coming in so that, that your target audience will dictate your following as well.
0: For sure, because that changes the verbiage that you're using and what you're saying
1: Definitely. a lot. <laughs>
0: That's great. So do you use like certain apps or have you leaned on some people to help you make, because your page is fairly cohesive in the sense that the color scheme goes together and there seems to be almost like a brand of what you're putting
1: out. Yeah. I. So I didn't have a coach. I had a friend who was kind of big in that space and that's the movement maestro and so when I first started she and I had become friends and so she would just tell me what to do (laughs) and not in terms of what to post but like you if if you're Dr. J-pop tell people who you are so that they can know who you are because you don't show your face on your page you only show your kids really so I did have while it wasn't someone I paid I had someone that knew what she was doing in that space to help me and, and kind of tell me the apps to use. And so as I kind of picked up from her, I learned what to do. And so that's why three years later, it's a lot easier for me to, to fit into a mo- my own mold. Um, but yeah, I love, Pick Stitch is one of my apps, Word Swag is an app that I use. Um, let's see, I, have, I literally have a whole folder of them. Um, uh, record it to record my screen, video shop, in light, um, and in shot, those are kind of the ones that I use. And now I'm pretty heavy on Canva, it took me a while to get kind of savvy with that one, but now that I am, it kind of gives me a wider range of options for my post.
0: Um, so As new professionals, you know, we have to be kind of careful with our budgets, you know, because all of these apps say, okay, here's the free and then you can pay a little bit more and then a little bit more. And so with your experience through using social media for a little while, have you found that some are better to use just the free version and some are worth paying for the more premium versions?
1: The sad thing is I don't remember what was free (laughs) and what was not free. Here's my thing. If you're going, I do agree on this one thing. If you're going to use an app that forces you to have a watermark when you post if you don't pay for it then either don't use that app or pay for that app because it just takes away from the post when you have somebody else's emblem just chilling in the corner (laughs) of your post or when you do like the repost um but I think if this is something that you want to do, invest. The apps are literally like $1.99. Like, think about the type of post that you want to use and then invest in those apps.
0: All right. I think that's excellent advice. Um, so when we're talking about having a social media presence, something that's new, especially with people getting furloughed, with um, COVID going on right now, People are really trying to find like a side hustle and sometimes you can really monetize, Mm. you know, anything online. So have you found that you are able to monetize anything on yours? And if you have been able to, or you chose to, when do you think is like the right time to do that?
1: I honestly just probably monetized for the first time this year, um, when everything happened, I created um, a webinar for, for pediatrics, just like an evaluation webinar to, to actually be a precursor to a course that I'm working on for pedi- general pediatric evaluation. Um, and that was three years in that I, I waited pretty much to, to monetize. I, I don't think there's a right time I don't think I wouldn't say, hey, go for a year and then monetize. I would say when you start to notice that you have people who are coming to your page frequently and commenting and, and you build a base of people who ask you questions, something that they've asked repeatedly, when you start to see the trends like, oh, they're always asking about this and they're always asking me these questions, then look at how you can package something to, to uh, give to them.
0: That's a really good way to gauge it, I think, Um, especially because, I mean, we did go to school for a while to know what we know, and you've had a few years of experience, too, and so with that comes a price tag, um, just as it would with anybody's career, so I think that that's excellent advice. Exactly. (laughs) So when we talk about posts, you post a lot of kiddos on your page, how do you Mm -hmm. go about Gaining consent for that? Do you have a specific form that you have them fill out? Is it outside of clinic time or do you allow, you know, like a parent to take that picture during clinic and give to you?
1: So I, um, we had, our hospital had an actual consent form that every parent had to sign because we were a teaching hospital. So there was never, you never knew when someone was going to just come in to take pictures of our peds rehab. Um, I had my own form and I picked Families that I was close to that I had been treating their children for a while, and we had established a relationship so you'll probably see a rotation of like six or seven kids. That doesn't mean that in a day I wasn't seeing eight to 14 children. It just was, those were the ones that I said, they would be great to showcase trying new things, just watching them grow and, and, and just be successful at their goals. But I was very strategic. There was not a camera in every session. <laughs> right. I mean, I would, it would just be like, okay, It'd be two months, and then I'd say, okay, well, let, we've we've made some progress. We have some new things we're gonna try, and the parents. I would tell the parents, hey, today we're probably gonna record something. Is that okay? Verbal consent. I would write that down, um, and then of course the children. Like sometimes they want to see themselves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For sure, it can be a plus in your uh, session.
1: <laughs> when it comes, to, especially with kids, I mean that I don't there most of the times, um, and I don't put any identifiers either just to make sure that they stay protected.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because that's always, they are a vulnerable population as we've always learned in school and everything like that. And so it is important to keep those things in mind, but it's also good to see, Things being done with kids too, because we can demonstrate all we want, but their understanding of our directions is totally different than the way we think them through sometimes. And the way that their bodies move is just different. And so it's good to see a littler human go through the motions of what we're trying to put them through.
1: Definitely.
0: So, after all of this, you've been doing this for a few years. If somebody came up to you and they said, Dr. J Pop, I really want to get into this social media game. What would you tell them as some recommendations as they're getting started?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is establish your target audience, decide who you want to talk to because I would say make sure that you choose a handle that is easy, <laughs> something that is quick that you can you know and and catchy a lot of times it it, it helps to have a catchy um, handle depending on which Format you choose, um, or platform you choose, um, and then I would say this is something that I was taught: um, always be branding. So whatever you put out there, make sure that you have your handle on, your logo on, um, so that if anybody ever wants to share it or repost it, then they'll know. Oh, this came from this person's page, and they'll know where to go. Go back. That would be the advice that I was given. To me, was very helpful, so I would pass it along.
0: Perfect. And so then we're going to go a little bit broader with your advice as if that was not hard enough to think of. But if you could go back to yourself as a new professional, just overall, and you could say, hey, you should know this at the beginning of your career. What, what advice would you give to people that are just starting their career in pediatrics?
1: The first thing I want to say is if you want to do ped, I didn't get a, a job in peds first. And I literally just would ask my clinic give me all the kids that come in, because usually they don't want them anyway, especially if it's an ortho clinic. So I would say, make sure that you keep the hope alive, even if you don't get a peace job first. <laughs> um, and then I would say, huh, this, is, this is one that I've, I just learned last year. While you have a dream in place, and it's perfectly okay if that changes, um, but if it does, make sure that you don't stay somewhere where you feel like you're not growing. Okay. So I, for me, it was, I, oh, I want to be a pizza therapist at this hospital. And then I got to year eight and I was like, okay, that was great. Now what's next for me? <laughs> Cause I felt like I needed to grow more. So never be afraid to get to a point and say, I reached this goal, but there could be more out there that you don't know about. There could be more dreams that you could dream. And so don't limit yourself. Don't, fall into the trap of I have to have this nine to five in this clinic and then I have to be a director. No, you don't. Like if any, if this year didn't teach us anything, it taught us we can write our own stories and it doesn't have to be what people told us it should be. So I I really encourage newer clinicians, dream, (laughs) live, and actually let yourself grow and move out of spaces where, where you feel like you're not growing.
0: I think that that is excellent advice. And I think that's hard too sometimes when you think you're in a good spot, but you don't really like it. And so is it worth leaving? Is it worth leaving that little safety cocoon that you've built yourself somewhere to branch out and do something that, you know, is on your heart to do?
1: I did leave. I left something that was very hard. I had relationships with coworkers. Growth was hard, but it has been worth it.
0: Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for answering all of my questions. I know there were kind of a lot and um, sometimes there's not always a good answer, but I think that it was really helpful, especially as we start to branch out. Um, I'm part of our like social media committee for students and new professionals. So I know I took something away from this
1: conversation. I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome that you guys are getting to to learn these things now um, and just be ahead of, of years ahead of where we were. (laughs)
0: Well, it helps to have people who take the time to teach us.
1: Well, anytime, anybody have questions, reach out. (laughs) Perfect.
0: Wow. You know, those conversations you wish could just go on forever. That's how I felt talking with Jennifer. I hope you enjoyed it just as much. If you did, please don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, or share this episode with a peer. As always, thanks for listening.